Matthew 22, and I'm going to be reading verses 34 through 40. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Uh, before, if you're turning in your Bible or turning to your phone app for your Bible, I just want to say real quick, um, please... Seriously, see if you can come to this concert on Friday, uh, Saturday night. It's going to be an, a wonderful outreach ministry. And um, with all of those proceeds, 100% going to the boys and girls home, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful night. Let us read the Word of God together. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this morning, Lord. Lord, we ask you to remove any kind of distractions, any kind of thoughts that are not on you, Lord. Remove all those barriers to the blessings that you can give us. And now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my dearest Lord Jesus, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Before I get started, I want each of you to look at somebody sitting beside you or close to you and ask them a question. Is he... I don't hear you. Is he... Getting the best of you. Now look to somebody else and ask them the same question. This is a question that we're going to ponder for a few short minutes. And I just got to say, I'm excited about Life Song. Um, it's been about three, maybe four years. Uh, Life Song 3.0 was the last one we did. And you're going to start hearing more songs in the coming weeks. Um, I know we have um, the Circle of Life, I think, coming. There's a Michael Jackson song. Um, there's one that Pastor Tim's doing next Sunday, which is awesome. I'm not going to ruin that surprise for you, but you definitely don't want to miss it. But Life Song, we're looking at popular music, popular music to the rest of the world, I'll say, and how do we listen to some of the messages that may be embedded in these songs, or how can we use this to grow our relationship with Christ? The best of you, this Foo Fighters song, which, I, okay, I'll go ahead and say, the Foo Fighters, if I ask you to raise your hand, I'm assuming there's a lot of people that may not know who the Foo Fighters are. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's all rock and roll, and I'll promise you, this version that Andrew and Camille did that was beautiful is not what you're going to hear on YouTube, okay? So if you go back and watch it later, it's totally different, but it's okay if you do, okay? 
But Best of You was on the In Your Honor album in 2005, and it was actually the lead single on that album and was known as one of their best of all time releases, no pun intended. But they uh, were uh, nominated for a Grammy in 2006 for this song, and they narrowly lost to a band known as U2. So if you're going to lose in the Grammys, you lose to one of the best bands of all time. And I'll tell you, I already mentioned what style of music it is, but I'll tell you also, I love all styles of music. I'll listen to just about anything, just about anything. But what I really like about music is when it connects. And what I mean by it is when it connects to a congregation or an audience. And we have the pleasure of being part of a church whose music ministry is so strong and so thriving, but I believe it's because it is Holy Spirit-led and it is based on prayer and it is about praising God and giving Him our absolute best. Amen? So as we talk about this song a little bit more, I want to tell you what they actually meant when they wrote it first. Dave Grohl, the lead singer, said it was about um, things confining you. And when he recorded this, his first time in the studio, he said it was so hard to do and so harsh on his voice that he felt like his throat was bleeding after he recorded it the first time. Now, when you go back, and if you go back and listen, you'll understand why. But it's the emotion that he has in the song that he's trying to get across to the audience that's listening. He says, listen to some of these lyrics. Breaking free is what he's talking about. Everyone's got their chains to break, holding you. And then he continues in the chorus, is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? Has someone taken your faith? You trust, you must confess. All of this sounds like familiar terminology to a believer that already is walking alongside Christ. However, if not, it may be new terminology. So this is talking about confining, but what I will say is God doesn't confine. God opens doors. God does not put chains on us. I believe God breaks chains for us. So we're going to look at it a little bit different this morning. And you just asked a question a minute ago. You, I said, ask your neighbor a question. Is he getting the best of you? So we're going to look at it a little different. Is he getting the best of us. Not in the sense of, is God confining us? Because I just said, he does not do that. But are we giving him our best? Or how do we give our best to God? Say that with me. How do we give our best to God? Jesus tells you in the scripture we just said, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together then one of them, a lawyer, which is also in other translations, an expert of the law, it says, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, remember at this time, they were scared of Jesus. Jesus had this strong movement going, and so they start to test him because they were scared. That's what happens when humans, when people, when we get scared, a lot of times we push back. And that's what's happening here. So when they ask about the greatest commandment and they're asking about the law, they were also referring to Old Testament law, uh, which the Shema or in Deuteronomy, and I'm going to share that scripture with you. Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So as Jesus is giving them this first commandment, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You shall love the Lord your God. In other words, this is a strong assertion. This is a commandment. This is not if you love the Lord your God. No, he's saying you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind. Also in the gospel of Mark, he adds the strength part on there. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. The reason for this is there's no room for reasoning. Everything is first commandment is based on love. So in other words, Lord, I messed up this morning. Um, I slept in. I was late for church. Jesus says, you shall love me. It's not condemning. Um, Lord, um, I messed up at work. I said some things to my co-workers that I probably shouldn't have said. Jesus says, love me. Lord, I've sinned. I've made bad decisions in relationships and my friends and so forth. And what does Jesus say? Love me. The first commandment is to love Lord your God with all you have. And that's the other key word I think that's in that scripture. When he says, love the Lord your God, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then all your strength if you're reading from Mark. Let me expand on that a little bit more. How do you love somebody or how do you base a commandment of love on something? Last Tuesday was October 4th. Uh, Christine and I, our anniversary, we'll be married for 25 years this last Tuesday. She's lucky. <laughs> I am the blessed one. I, okay, I'll admit that. So um, the reason I say that is our relationship is first based on we shall love the Lord our God. But also with all we have. So just like I love her with all that I have, that is enabling me to keep the strong relationship and continue to build on it. Doesn't mean we don't mess up and don't argue sometimes and that kind of stuff, but we base everything on love. And if you're given all that you have in that love, that's what Jesus says. If you love him, decisions in life will become easier. And that's how we grow in faith together. So just when you thought the first commandment was tough enough, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now think about a neighbor. It may, may not be like a next door neighbor or somebody in your neighborhood, but our neighbors are our co-workers, the people we go to church with. And don't look at the person beside you if this is when I say this, but if you have a hard time with a neighbor, Jesus is still saying, love that person as you love yourself. 
Last Wednesday night, part of our little discipleship group, we got into a study about Scripture, and one of the things popped up, and it was, okay, Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Can you really know and love somebody as much as you love yourself? I mean, really think about that for a minute. That's a tough one to swallow. But I'll say imagine a world based on this scripture and how relationships would change if everybody truly loved one another as they love themselves. Selfless people are the ones that you remember more, I think, in your walk of faith. Some of my greatest memories, other than family, of the people that walked alongside of me in my faith. Miss Martha, Mr. Stan, I can go on naming all these names from my back, my previous church when I was in a youth group. And then at the previous church before that, Miss Sylvia that took care of our kids in nursery. The reason that those people stick in my head is because they were incredible at their selfless acts that they did. They proved over and over and over again to me that they loved me just as much as they loved anybody else. And they always kind of snuck the gospel in there to teach me a little bit at the same time. The first commandment, I think, is more of an internal. It's a decision when you talk with Christ that it's an internal thing that you have to love the Lord your God. But then when you flip it to the second commandment, it becomes external. And that's when people start to see it more. The decisions you make on the inside will build the reputation you have on the outside. And I'm not necessarily talking about just your reputation. I'm talking about the reputation of Christ. Listen to these words from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the words of truth. In other words, following these two commandments and preaching, and I'm not just talking about preaching, preaching. I'm talking about you speaking the word to the people around you. And as you share God's love, you do it as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. And I think that is key because one of the other conversations that I've had recently is what happens if you don't really love yourself right now? And God is saying, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a child of God and you are perfect in his image. And there is no reason for you to be ashamed. Amen. The last question I have for you is this. What happens when we're given our best or our absolute best to God? Two things I want to share. Number one, that we cannot help but to spread the gospel to others if we're giving our best to God through these two commandments. What I mean by that, people are simple. People want to be happy, right? People want to be happy. And if they see joy 
and they see what is happening, they'll want to understand why are you coming to church every Sunday? Why are you going to youth group? Why are you guys singing in this praise choir? Why are you doing Bible studies? Why are you meeting at a coffee shop and talking about a Bible together? People will start to ask, where is this coming from and where is this joy? Um, Maya and Cora, can you come up for a second? I didn't do this at the 8.15 service. And this was one of those four o'clock in the morning thoughts this morning. So I was deciding if I wanted to do it or not. I know they look very scared right now. But this represents something. I'm not going to ask you to hula hoop. So just don't worry about that. So this represents something. This circle. In confirmation classes for years, we've always talked about hitting a mark. That when we're talking about our faith, sometimes we talk about it in the sense of hitting the mark or hitting a target. So this is the close I had to a bullseye. So anyway, I found this. If you look at a target, a lot of times there's an outer circle. And then there's an inner circle. And then there's the center circle, the bullseye. Jesus had a circle of life, circle of friends, much like this. The outer circle is going to represent... The big group, maybe like the congregation or maybe a bunch of friends at school. You know, that's a lot of people. So Jesus had that, a bunch of people around him, the crowds gathering. And then there was another circle on the inside. And those were people a little bit closer, okay? Those are just a little bit closer. Maybe the 12 disciples. Or, then there's the bullseye where Jesus had some really close people to him, okay? You probably have those two. I'm not going to ask you to name them up here on the stage, but just think of the circle for a minute. And when I said that somebody may not feel um, at their best to share love and so forth, I'm going to show you what I mean by uh, when we give our best to God, we can love our neighbors as ourselves, no matter what. So spread out a little bit. And I'm going to let you hold this because I don't want you dancing around on your knee. <laughs> so, so, yes, no, you're not going to have to dance. So... So you just hold that for a second. Now, you're looking over here, and she's got this circle. She's got these friendships. She's got these people that she's hanging around, and it looks really good to you, right? So then you want to go find out a little more about it. So go find out a little more. And then, before she knows it, hold it. <laughs> before she knows it, She's in her circle as well. And she's starting to pour into her. She's starting to talk to her about her faith. And she's talking about her friends and all. And Cora is so proud of herself for doing this right now. <laughs> so, but you got this incredible bond all of a sudden because you're in her circle now. The difference is, or what's important here, is what happens if you ever try to walk away. <laughs> Don't pull her down. <laughs> so... When you try to walk away, once you're in this strong bond, she's got her in there. And if she feels she's going to make some bad decisions and fall away on occasion, her friends are still there because she's in that circle and she's pouring into her and they're going to be there for each other. This is what we do as a body of believers. We lift up each other. We help each other. Amen. This is what we do for our neighbors. Thank you. Give them a hand. I know they were getting a little scared when I got the hula hoop out there. 
The other thing that happens when we give our best to God is he takes away from us. What does he take away from us? He takes away sin. He takes away burden. He takes away sin, sickness, anxiety, depression, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes that's an instant miracle. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you need this circle of believers to help lift you up and get through those moments. But if you give him your best, Jesus says, all these things hang all the law. Love the Lord your God. Let's see if y'all remember it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. As I close up here in a minute, I got to share a story with you. Um, but this is not just a story. This happened a few weeks ago. Just a few weeks ago, I was at a continuing ed class. And one of the fellow pastors I was in class with, there was about 18 of us. And she's uh, in the Virginia conference preaching right now, if I remember right. But her friend was in South Carolina. Her friend called her. This was the week before our class called her and said, I really need you to come pray with my brother would you be willing to do that as pastors we try to do that anytime we can it was two states away and she was still going to pray with her because she was a close friend of hers she said however I gotta let you know my brother is not a believer my brother does not believe in God he does not believe in Jesus he doesn't believe in anything she said so he may push you away so she still went down there to be with her friend and they went to the hospital to pray with him. He was uh, in hospice care and expected to pass away at any moment. She went in to pray with him and she got this. He didn't want anything to do with it. He didn't want to talk to any hospital chaplains. He didn't want anybody to be in there and pray with him. So they left. I wish I could tell you that at that moment he had an instant thought of prayer was okay, but he turned them away. So they went back to the hotel and they prayed together. And they prayed for him. The next morning, he passed away. Without getting into all the DNR rules and everything else, I will tell you he was brought back to life and the testimony from the nurses and the doctors not from the preacher they said when he woke up once he was able to open his eyes and speak the first words out of his mouth were I need to see a minister so they made the phone call the friend and the preacher that I knew went back to the hospital as quick as they could and he wanted to have prayer over him. He couldn't speak much. He was in really bad shape. But they said they were able to make out one thing that he said. He said, I don't want to go where I just was. They instantly started praying for him. And he accepted 
Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior on the table at that moment. This is not just a story. This is a testimony of something that happened to somebody. Later, soon after that, he passed away. And from the depths of my heart and all the understanding I have, I know for a fact that he is sitting at the feet of Jesus since he accepted. The reason I tell you all this is because it's always great to hear these testimonies, but it builds our faith in the reassurance of what is to come. And don't wait. Yes, I know we already have a lot of believers in here, but there's so many people, so many of our neighbors that are not. So my prayer is that we reach out and that we dedicate our lives to giving God the absolute best of us. Love our Lord and love our neighbor and lives will be transformed. In just a minute, I'm going to close this in prayer and I'll ask everybody to stand and sing along. But these altars will be open and we have prayer partners at each altar. If you want to pray for yourself, there may be somebody in here or watching online that's never accepted Christ into their heart, and you can do so now. Or you may want to come forth and pray for somebody else. But we are here to pray with you. Let us pray. Wonderful, loving God, we just love the commandment that you gave us, Lord, to love you with our entire heart, soul, mind, and strength, God. We pray that that is what we do. We pray that is what the church is about. We pray that people know your love and that they reach out to you and that lives are changed. God, I pray right now, whoever may hear this, whether it's in this room or online or watching later, Lord, that it's not me they hear, that it's you. Lord, speak to the hearts of the people. Lord, it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.